Oh, we forgot to mention the Atlassian outage. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's uh, that's timely, right? There's the Atlassian outage, and thankfully, our confluence that this podcast is <laughs> we're not affected, <laughs> not impacted. Welcome to GCP Life. This is episode number 12, a show where we discuss Google Cloud and tech. I'm your host, Stephen Bancroft. This show is sponsored by Kasna. And on today's show, we delve into some new Google Cloud data features. We take a look at what Lapsus has been up to. We look at distributed Google Cloud Edge. Google fights misinformation. And we have another list to look at. But before we get to any of that, I want to welcome the co-host that's with me every fortnight. It's Dave Wall. How are you going, Dave? Yeah, great. Thanks, Steve. Great to be back for another fortnight. I know. It's good to be back. Hardly feels like a fortnight, does it? No, it's really flown. Uh, I guess, though, with the compressed weeks or the public holiday this weekend, next Monday, like it's it's a crazy time. Yeah, we are recording a day earlier than usual, and the show will be out uh, a day earlier than usual as well, because here in Australia, we have a public holiday on Friday. So uh, it's been a mad scramble to change our timetables around and get everything done, especially considering we're both on the same project. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and- it's 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 a it's tight. We're trying to get as many things like, hey, what are we going to get done this week? Oh, all right, let's just pretend that we've got five days and make it four. <laughs> uh, and the back-to-back-to-back-to-back meetings, <laughs> trying to work this thing out, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, the podcast can't wait. So, uh, you know, we made we the time and- to, Oh, we have to hit that schedule. That's right. It's got to, got to, got to be done. That's right. We don't want to leave our listeners hanging. <laughs> That's it. Um, I, uh, I use Plex at home. I'm sure a few of our listeners do. And you know now it's got this new feature, this global search feature. Yeah, I've seen uh, some articles about it. I haven't had a chance to use it on my own one yet. So, uh, yeah. love to hear yeah, the Yeah, pretty cool. You can link it in with your- um, existing streaming searches uh, services and then when you search it just bang it just tells you where that show is that you're after Uh, cool that's good because you know we've (laughs) you know it was the bad old days where you had to have like foxtel and which packages did you have and then we great we got netflix and had everything in it and now it's like okay we got netflix and prime and disney and can i do abc kids that's the the killer app for (laughs) me (laughs) um I wouldn't be surprised if it would because I saw SPS on demand in the list. That um, bodes well then. Mm, yeah. 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 Um, you been up to anything? Uh, yeah, it's actually uh, been a busy time. I took the took the uh, the family away on the weekend and went down to Phillip Island, and uh, I had a run in with a robot in the chocolate factory, which you know <laughs> uh, that was unexpected. Uh, oh, that's that chocolate factory there in Phillip Island. Yeah, I know the one. Yes, yeah, it was, yes, it was yeah. like way better a tour than I was expecting. Like we got there, oh, this will be a bit, you know, um, Meh, bit yeah. kind of cliche, but no, it was really cool. And they put a lot of thought to it. And then we get to the cafe at the end and like ordered coffees and stuff. And then like a robot came out to serve it. Kind of like, <laughs> like picture, um, oh, you know, like the ones they have in the Amazon warehouses with like a really? tray table yeah, or, yeah, or yeah, like uh, on Java's yeah. sail barge when like R2D2 comes <laughs> out with the drink tray. It's kind of like that. <laughs> I know the one. I know yeah. the robot. Well, those those of you that are around the eighties, uh, the Doctor Edelston robot that used to come out to tell the next patient to come in. That's, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that's what you had. Yeah. Um, I uh, I'm going camping this weekend, Ooh. and uh, I've got to keep the kids happy. You know, they've got to have their devices and stuff. And very important. important. Watch, watch when you're out in the great outdoors. Just exactly, and you got to have you got to have your mobile connection when you're out there. So I. I have a, a Netgear 5G uh, modem, and I I had an antenna in my four-wheel drive for a long time, but I hadn't sort of married the two up. It was from an older, um, you know, I, I, yeah, just kind of hadn't married the two up. Anyway, I went through the whole exercise on the weekend and wired it all in and got it all nicely set up, and it's great now. You just turn the ignition on, and boom, the, the modem detects that the ignition's come on, and it starts up. Uh, it's on the, the high gain antenna. So I'm hoping awesome. when I get out into the regional areas, I'll have some good throughput and yeah, we've got Wi-Fi in the truck now and I can, you know, be in a campsite and it's running off the auxiliary battery in the truck. 
So I can just have days. Wi-Fi, yeah, at the campsite. Yeah, that's so cool. I didn't realize that you yeah. could, yeah, chuck a, like a big antenna on it. and Yeah. And how yeah. are you, uh, have you got like that mounted in the car? Has it got like a holder or is it just kind of loose with a cable? Well, this is the thing. I actually wanted to have it so I could take it out because I might like to take that out and put it in the camper trailer or sometimes we might just want to have it on the table with this or I might need to take it out to use it for some other purpose. So, yeah, I've just got it like in a little a pouch thing like up on the dash. Like so where my phone is in the phone holder and I've got like my tire pressure gauge and my GPS system, they're all kind of like hanging off the window on their suction cup things. There's a little yeah. pouchy thing I've got there as well. And it's it's slipped into that and I've just made this like loom of like, third-party USBs and cables and things <laughs> that comes up, all cable tied together. It's quite neat, right? And it just plugs into that. So if I need to pull that out, I can pull that out and just unplug it and take it oh, away. cool. Um, I might, um, yeah, show me the, the item one time. I might see if I can uh, print you off a mount for it. Um, make it nice yeah, and neat. You can still take a, it out. Mount, yeah, well, that'd be interesting how I could mount it in there and then slip it in slip the thing in there and then pop it out. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, my, that, that might work. Yeah, mm. what I've done is is effectively that anyway, but with this um, pouch that sticks onto the dash. Um, yeah, so that, that's been my little tech adventures during the last fortnight. Um, sounds look, good. We might, yeah, we might get on with the show. Um, we, uh, we have a few items here. Being a shorter week, I don't have a f- – well, we, we have enough items. Let's see. We'll, we'll talk about what we have here. Um, Google, uh, during the last fortnight, Google had the Google's, uh, data cloud summit. Now, um, I'm not really a data guy. I've, st- I've studied, you know, I've, I've looked at a bit of data and I know how to, you know, I know how to export a SQL database and then re-import <laughs> it. And that's probably about the limit of my data knowledge. Right? A, fu- a functional knowledge of data. <laughs> functional, yeah. functional knowledge of data. Um, and I've done a bit of the old, uh, you know, cloud guru course there for for the for the for the data engineer, enough to get by. But yeah, they uh, they had. I'll link a number of articles in the show notes. But there's there's one key one that sort of breaks it all down. And effectively, uh, we've ended up with four major announcements from the Google from Google's Data Cloud Summit um, article here on IT Brief uh, by uh, Ryan Morris uh, Reedy. Um, talks about the four items, and uh, we'll just go through them here. Um, the first thing that sort of talk about is removing all data limits. Today, we are announcing the preview of Big Lake. Now, this seemed to be the big hitter, this Big Lake thing. Um, now, my understanding is what they've done. Well, I don't need to explain my understanding. I can tell you right here. Big Lake allows companies to unify their data warehouses and lakes to analyze data without worrying about the underlying storage format or systems. So, from what I gather, Big Lake uh, is built on BigQuery, and it's sort of com- it's a, it, it can be a combined. It can combine the things to make just like a huge data lake. Right. Like okay. Right. To give you right. that additional functionality. Give you that additional functionality. That's right. Um, Big Lake customers gain fine grain access controls with API interface spanning. Google Cloud and open file format, formats like Parquet and open source processing engines like Apache and Spark. So um, I'll link a number of article, articles in the show notes, but it's basically uh, a unified data platform that, and they're just giving it to you in a single interface. Awesome. I think for all the uh, the data people who listen that uh, yeah, they'll find some very new, interesting ways to implement. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it would be akin to uh, Cloudera, Databricks, um, and Snowflake. Um, so they're all sort of combined lake or warehouse offerings. This is Google's um, bringing them up to par now. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So that's kind of the first major thing, um, and uh, that'll get mentioned in another article that's coming up. The next kind of thing this article talks about is remove the limits of data workloads. Um, now, this is around Vertex AI. Vertex AI will provide customers with an even more streamlined experience to get AI models up into production faster and make maintenance even easier. 
and I've I've done a, like a, a little bit of Vertex AI um, as part of a lab of like a partner event that I did a couple of weeks back, and it was it was really nice, especially for someone who's who's definitely like myself, right? He's definitely not a data scientist, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I have no claim to to that, but being able to uh, to use that and very quickly to you know build out models and get them deployed, um, uh, I think making that accessible. To people who are, I guess, you know, not quite as far along on the technical journey, people who maybe have more, uh, you know, kind of business knowledge as opposed to data engineering knowledge. Yeah, yeah, um, yep. yeah. It's a, a really awesome tool. Yeah. So we have Vertex AI Workbench, uh, which is now generally available. It brings data and machine learning systems into a single interface. You know, I'm going to speed the thing up in the end of the day. At the end of the day, right? That's what that, that's going to do. Um, Teams have a common tool set across data analytics, data science, and machine learning. Um, so yeah, they uh, combined combined a whole bunch of stuff there in, into one big workbench, which which is nice. Uh, the next sort of point is extend the reach of data. Uh, we have launched connected sheets for Looker, and the ability to access Looker data models with data studios. I mean, that pretty much says it all, right? So. Uh, you can use Data Studio now uh, to to get access to your data models via Looker. Um, he says the unified BI experience makes it easy to tap into governed, trusted enterprise data, incorporate new data sets and calculations, and collaborate with peers. Now, I'm not a Looker guy, but I'm sure people that are Looker will 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 love this love this uh, improvement here. And then finally, um, Google are doubling down on the Data Cloud Partner ecosystem. Um, and they've announced Google Cloud Ready BigQuery, a new validation that recognizes partners cloud solutions that meet a core set of functional and interoperability requirements. So they've, they've recognized 25 partners in this program, uh, and it reduces the cost for customers associated with evaluating new tools while also adding support for new customer use cases. So... Uh, in terms of um, the tool set you have available, they're, they're making partner tools, more partner tools available for data scientists and data analysts. Yeah, gotcha. So you, if you've got a, a tool that you're using, you're like, oh, actually, yep, this one will integrate with BigQuery um, or if I'm, a, if I'm going on that migration, maybe I'm taking it off-prem and, and bringing it into the cloud. Maybe it's a licensing thing like they're doing GCVE as well, where you, you can bring your license, you know, BYOL, um, speaking of that, on-prem to cloud, possibly. Um, they're saying partners like Bloomberg, Equifax, Exabeam, uh, Quantum Metric, Zoom Intro, Info have started using Google Google's data cloud capabilities with built-in BigQuery initiatives. So maybe it's something you can get from the marketplace as well, whereas mm. previously you had to spin it up yourself. I, and I think there was also some announcements on, uh, I think, something to do with with Spanner and being able to pull, like, stream data out of Cloud Spanner. Yeah, that's right. Um, this article does mention that. Another major info, in, innovation we're announcing is Spanner Change Streams. Yeah, that was the one. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, with, yeah, so Spanner Change Streams track Spanner inserts, updates, and deletes to stream the changes in real time across customers' entire Spanner database. Yeah, very cool. Apparently, um, I was doing a little bit of reading into this myself, and apparently that was something that was kind of accessible to a number of very large like financial services customers, but it was kind of hacky and they were getting it from the back end. Uh, and now this will be, you know, like a native managed solution, which is, you know, always better when they're on the table. Uh, one of the articles I will link, I won't go through in detail this article, but it does have a line in here, which is Spanner's ability to deliver full asset guarantees in a globally distributed, highly available manner. And it goes on to say, it achieves this feat of computer science by leveraging exotic hardware, including atomic clocks and GPS systems, which allow it to take the exact flow of committed transactions through time and space to a very fine degree. Yeah, you've, you've got the use case for it. Uh, I think Spanner is a, a very impressive bit of uh, database technology, right? Very, very impressive, mm. yeah. I mean, when you're talking about tracking stuff through time and space, <laughs> using atomic clocks, boy, oh, boy. Yeah. 
Um, so that sort of leads me on to the next article, which is, um, look, it's a financial article, and they're talking about um, Monis Crespi Hardit analyst Brian White, who rates Alphabet a buy with three. 3850 price target, implying nearly 40% upside, noted that Google's recent Data Cloud Summit saw the company unveil a number of new innovations, all of which boost the strength of Google Cloud. Uh, this is an article on Seeking Alpha by uh, Chris Siaka, entitled, Amazon and Microsoft may get all the cloud headlines, but don't sleep on Google. Yeah, so he's saying that... Um, these new announcements really um, strengthens Google's position in the marketplace. Um, he says, while Big Lake was the most significant announcement of the event, uh, as it will expand on Google's Big Query, Big Query, and extend the cloud data warehouse on top of data lakes in a modern cloud environment, Big Query competes with the likes of Snowflake, uh, AWS Redshift, Azure Synapse with Google describing it as a data lake storage engine to remove data limits by unifying data lakes and warehouses. Essentially, it lets companies unify data warehouses and lakes to analyze their data without worrying about storage formats, change, or system upheaval. Right. I think that, that's, a, yeah, that's, a, that's a nice, concise way of putting it. Yeah. 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 And he really likes this. And he, he thinks it could be, a, you know, a, a big, uh, you know, this is coming from a from a, a financial guy that's that's watching the markets, anything it could be a big upturn for Google in this. Um, and finally, yeah, this article here finishes off with uh, White pointed out that Google Cloud has seen rapid growth in recent years, most recently growing revenue forty five percent year over year in its most recent to five point four billion, with a total twenty one revenue at nineteen point two billion, according to industry research analysts. So some big figures there. Uh, well, but AWS generated fifty three point five billion, so um, ten times. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah, and it's most recent quarter. <laughs> account with, uh, uh, so yeah, uh, they account for revenue, account for thirty three percent of the market. Microsoft had an estimated twenty two percent, while Google was well behind them at nine percent. It's interesting though that then. All other cloud providers, including like IBM, I guess Alibaba Cloud, the rest, accounted for 36% of the market. So, I mean, there's a lot of others that are grouped into yeah. that. Yeah, Oracle, Alibaba, IBM, mm, yeah. Yep. Um, but I think it's clear that Google Cloud has the highest growth. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I want to maybe see what the growth is on AWS. Are they going forwards or backwards? Oh. I don't know. Interesting to know. I would, I would imagine they're still going up. I think the 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 addressable market is just growing. Like I, I don't. Yeah, I don't right. think they. I don't think we've hit the point where like okay, everyone's in the cloud because you know we know that's not the case, right? We're still yeah, doing right. so many migrations. Um, there's it, everyone yeah. wants to do the shift, so I think it's just a market that's going to keep growing, and it's on yeah. all of the cloud providers to try and grab as much of the pie as they can. Yeah. It's still the early, early formation of the universe and the expansion stage. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yes, a couple of, uh, you know, a little interesting segue there to, to um, the, the data uh, summit side of things. Now, um, Dave, you wanted to talk about this for a few weeks. Um, Lapsus. What Lapsus have been doing and what they've been up to in the past. Yeah, it's um, – I might just – couple of articles there's um certainly in in the the circles that i've been in they that this 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 i don't want to say a company this this group of uh of individuals um known as lapsus have been hitting some some very high uh very public companies right so like they hit microsoft they've hit nvidia they've taken um fit samsung Ubisoft, um, like I know, I know one a vendor that certainly we use, Okta. They also had a breach with Lapsus. What I found to be really interesting with this group is, like, when I saw that they were hitting people, I was, you know, doing some searching around. I was trying to find, like, hey, like, what are they exploiting? What zero day is out there that uh, you know maybe we need to protect against? Um, and it really seemed that what their their kind of mo was it was a a big social engineering 
exploit, right? So what these guys were doing is they were organizing through, uh, through Telegram, but they were recruiting kind of, you know, disaffected employees of companies and, and offering like significant bounties. Like to, if you were um, an employee of like one of the big telcos and you had like the ability to do uh, like SIM swaps, um, one of the threads that I saw was they were uh, offering like 20000 a week in bounties to do SIM, swims, SIM swaps. Yeah, so so big time, right? This wasn't just like yeah, you know, looking for someone's like lost credentials or you know, can oh, give me this file. Like they were talking big bickies. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, so what they were doing is they were they would get these people and they might like it might be say someone in-house, say you know, I'm not going to you know, pick a I'm not going to name for any particular company, but right, I'll take an employee and it might be an in-house person or it might be one of their support vendors, someone who'll have some privileged access. And uh, and they were getting them on side and they would come at them and they'd be like, okay, you don't have to do much. All you need to do is just accept the two-factor ping on your device or, you know, we'll we'll do the rest. Right? Right. And uh, and that's also where they were, why they were paying the bounties for SIM swaps because then they could cut over like, you know, yours or mine. They could cut our SIM over to one of their devices. They would get the text sent through to them. And uh, and you know they could they could take over the uh, uh, the the route for doing two FA, right? So yeah, it was, it was a big time social engineering group. Uh, in fact, actually, actually, it was interesting. One of the uh, instances I mentioned that Telegram before is they were like not only were they dumping the data in there and recruiting people through Telegram, but they were updating in Telegram about the companies they were hitting as they were hitting them. <laughs> So they were bragging about being in Microsoft servers and pulling data out. And then Microsoft well, saw that and were like, oh, no. <laughs> they went, and so Microsoft were able to cancel like the download that was happening. They, yeah, yeah. Um, Block them all. Yeah. It's not very smart. <laughs> no. no. Um, I was reading through some of the uh, attacks they did in some companies is they would get access to the environment and it, you know, then they'd have they might actually have access for a couple of days before they got around to it, uh, and then they would go and like just download a freely available tool to like dump credentials and stuff like. Just they there wasn't much like high end technical sneaky zero day things going on. It was straight up like I've got credentials. I will go and do whatever I can with those. Right, it sounds a bit ad hoc as well. Like it kind of, it's not really targeted. It's kind of just opportunistic. Whoever they could get, um, yeah, and then they just sort of make the most of it. It seems like it was a pretty small group. Um, like there's been a bunch of arrests in the uh, the UK. It seemed like it was like sixteen to twenty one year olds that were mostly in this group. Right. Um. So I guess that's uh, was a little bit less uh, organized, perhaps. Um. So yes, it was a. I I, th- I think for me it, it certainly comes back. Oh, like on the the sim swapping side of things, like just showing the weakness of that as a two FA. Oh yeah, right. Like yeah. When you're putting like another company can go and just redirect your SMSs and um yeah, I, I think definitely looking at something like a an Authy or you know, Microsoft Authenticator or Okta. Even though Okta had the breach, it wasn't that. Uh, it wasn't the Okta service. <laughs> Google that Authenticator, yeah. yeah, Google Authenticator. Yeah. Yep. Um, so that leads to the question: If they're paying someone twenty grand to do a SIM swap, how are they bankrolling that? Well, um, the big thing they would do is once they, uh, you know, once they were in your system, then they'd start the extortion. Right. So they would be pulling right. data out and you know extorting you for, you know, we're going to release this information unless you pay it. So, you know, they must have been uh, getting paid along the way if they weren't also then maybe just selling yeah. that data to somebody else. Right. Stolen Bitcoin yeah. or crypto lockers or something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but, you know, when they're like 20 grand a week for uh, 
um, for credential access is, uh, is pretty shocking. Actually, um, one of the other things they did, which I think was possibly the most offensive, is that they would pay for like Slack session tokens. They would get in, they would use Slack to then convince like, you know, support personnel to reset some passwords. And then when the companies were like, they realized that they were being exploited and they were having like a SWAT call, they were joining the SWAT calls <laughs> right, with their demands. Like, Really rub salt in the wound because <laughs> they got carte blanche access Car- to everything. Carte blanche oh. access, right? And like, yeah, um, yeah. how many of us have been on a SWAT call? Was like, you know, 20, 30, 40 people. Like, who are all these people? It's all the stakeholders mm. all jump in, and the you know, the people who are actively hacking you. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, that's a classic. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Let's, I mean, that, you think about it as a hacker, that's. You, you want to know, you, you, you want to, I suppose you would want to know, like, what are they doing? Like, how are they responding to it? They're running around like flies, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, what are, they, what are they? And this is like, you get straight access to find out what's going on. Yeah, you there, <laughs> You're getting warmer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, cold, cold, cold. <laughs> no, no, that's not, that's not quite right. I don't think they're doing that at all. <laughs> I can tell you exactly what they're doing. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so yes, not not good time for a bunch of companies. I haven't seen uh, any new attacks recently, so I hope maybe the uh, the arrests got did actually get the team. Fingers yeah, crossed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting stuff. I mean, just uh, you, all you got to do is have a look at their Wikipedia page, and you can see um, twenty twenty two. The group was involved in several cybersecurity cyber crimes. Uh, leaking the source code of employees' credentials from NVIDIA, a breach at Microsoft, 37 gig of source code, a breach from uh, Mercado Libre, e- e-commerce company, uh, source code of Samsung Galaxy phones, um, of course, Ubisoft, Okta, and a 70 gig dump from Globant. Yeah. So, um, yeah, they've been busy little boys, that's for sure. Yes, very, they have, have to be, go to their room. <laughs> <laughs> All based on, you know, simple social engineering and just, just taking advantage of our day-to-day tools that we use, like Slack. And, for sure. And, you know, yeah. the, the whole thing of, like, yes, we have to trust our people to get the job done, but then we have partners and uh, the trust circle gets wider and wider. <laughs> All right, well, uh, yeah, after that little uh, <laughs> piece of news, let's move on. Let's, let's have a look at something that um, a new thing that Google has announced. I really don't know a way to describe this other than a thing. <laughs> um, and I, I had to sort of scratch my head to try and actually understand what this is all about. But Google announces fully managed distributed cloud edge. Um, so according to Google, uh, Google Distributed Cloud Edge, the GDC, uh, will enable customers to run 5G core and radio access network RAN functions at the edge and support additional enterprise use cases, including anomaly detection on the factory floor, real-time inventory with robots, scrubbing sensitive data locally before sending it into the cloud and using sensors to improve operational efficiency with sensors. So my sort of understanding of this is if you've got like like a factory, which is what they mentioned in that little piece there, and you might have thousands of IoT devices, I guess, and they're collecting data, they're doing stuff, and you kind of need to do like some processing on that, pre-processing, a bit of work, maybe you're removing a bit of PII or whatever, that can all be done in this cloud edge, which would live on-prem, I guess? Yeah. So my read of it is that it is uh, basically a way of you having your GCP environment on-prem or at least a subset of it on-prem. It's still you know, running in the same sort of software stack. It's still managed by Google, but it gives you that ability to have it sort of like in your own local data center. And I know uh, like on my side, um, I, I worked for a company for, for a long time that did manufacturing and they had a very low, or very, I guess a very high latency requirement, you know, that very low latency needed to the systems uh, for uh, PLCs and any of the automation stuff. So mm-hmm. 
anything where you could bring it. So that's why, you know, we had on-prem servers. But in a, like a cloud world where you want, don't want to manage everything anymore, this sort of, I guess, will give you an option where you can still run your cloud services, still have a, a managed platform, but bring it closer to the source. Yeah, right. I hadn't considered the latency use case. That's absolutely right. Um, if you're shipping everything back to, you know, on cloud over your link, absolutely latency could be an issue. Definitely. If you've got it locally, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Oh, and low bandwidth would be an issue as well. Maybe in regional areas where you've got low bandwidth and you want to do as much as you can local before you push the final product into the cloud. Yeah, true. You might still have very, you know, very expensive like MPLS services or um, I don't know if so much, but you know, if this service is available in, in every region, but you know, certainly on which side of like, you know, the, the firewall in China, for example, that uh, can, can certainly impact how much you want to send back. Yeah, so this this line here sort of summarises that uh, GDC Edge appliances, so it must come in an appliance format, are designed for use cases where bandwidth and latency limitations prevent organisations from processing data from devices like cameras and sensors back in cloud data centres. Yes, that's, exa- that's exactly what it's for. Mm. Um, oh, actually, you're right. So thinking on that, on the cameras alone, like bandwidth can be very high. If you've got loads of cameras and you wanted that data, you're like, actually, I want to process some of that on-prem and I only want to send certain clips. Yeah. Yeah, you might have like motion sensor, right? And you only want to capture it when there's there's motion. Um, so you do that little bit of processing on-prem and then you just record it when there's motion and that's the one the bit that you send to the cloud to, to save. Yeah, for sure. It might be a use case, yeah. Yeah, yeah interesting. Um, with a comprehensive portfolio of fully managed hardware and software, Google Distributed Cloud brings Google's AI and analytics solutions closer to where your data is being generated and consumed so you can harness real-time insights across deployments. I mean, I remember a few years ago there being – like the, I think there's an there's an Azure on-prem service. I don't know if there's a, an AWS one. Um, you know, to give you that kind of same level. Um, so I think again, this might just be you know Google coming up to parity. All right. Uh, so from one Google feature to another Google feature, um, Google unrolls a search feature to tackle misinformation. Now I really like this. I I'm a, I consider myself a bit of a skeptic, bit of a critical thinker. Uh, Sort of enlightened in that respect. Oh, jeez! <laughs> just, just to put it like, I'm, I'm kind of an unenlightened fellow. <laughs> I'm not. Hey, I'm not saying you're unenlightened. But, you know. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, Professor. I'll I, allow you I, to continue. I don't, go as, I don't go as far as wearing the tinfoil hat, yeah. mind you. But you know, um, I like to see, um, you know these companies uh, applying some uh, critical thinking and, um, you know, trying to you know, remove the disinformation um, from, from the web. The search giant has introduced two new attributes, information literacy tips for breaking topics and a new highly cited label for news stories. And they're also expanding the about this result feature which gives users information about the site hosting the result. One other thing they can do too is they can front load trusted sources. So a lot of, and I've got an interesting point about this one here, a lot of national and global news starts life as local, but uh, news brands with large reach can easily drown out the original report, which Google has said it wants to elevate in order to bring people unique perspectives. Right, so so think about what that's saying there, right? So local, the, the story starts with a local newspaper and then eventually your big uh, Murdoch's papers get them, right? Percolates. <laughs> yeah, now I can't help thinking this is a strike back to the, the recent uh, media laws that meant that Google had to pay for article scraping from those big oh, news outlets. Big ones. Right. So like, yeah. well, we can let's rank some of the original sources that might be less litigious. Yeah. Why not? Why not push them out of the picture? Well, you you're going to make me pay for your articles now. Well, I'm not going to use them. And this is a way they're not they're going to use them less and less. They're going to go to the original source of the article. See where it came from, yeah. 
I, I, I don't know. Maybe that's my sceptical brain <laughs> thinking there's an ulterior motive here. I, I suppose things can be two things, right? Like something can be a good idea and it can also help the bottom line. It, well, that's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, I do think that the um, like having the like the the tips that are on there. I think that late that highly cited label. Like, okay, this isn't yep. just um, you know, like again, like some tin foil hat conspiracy. Oh, I saw it on the internet. It's like, well, yeah, but like no one else is referring to this article. Like, it's mm. you know, just because it's there doesn't mean it's true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, having having that that tip there would be. It doesn't mean they're going to read it, though, does it? No, 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 true. <laughs> but it gives you a comeback, right? You can get, if someone tries to fire that article and say, "Well, look at this," say, so, "Well, you know, Google's not uh, not really recommending that article as authoritative." Yeah, I think those people would probably come back and and be like, "Oh, well, that's just what Google wants you to think." <laughs> oh, big big b- big Google. Yeah. Big Google. <laughs> so there's yeah, no so arguing look- with some people. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. I mean, you're dealing with human behaviour here, right? And you can add as many of these tags and tips and flags and things as you want. But I mean, if people have got got it in their brain that that's what they want to believe, then they're they're going to believe it, right? Yeah. It's hard to hard to switch them the other way around. But at least Google's trying, and I like to see that. Yeah, I think that I think that's all it can do, right? Yeah, yeah. It can lead a horse to water and all that. And look, one last item here to finish the show off. Um, we love a good list on the show. I love a list. I love a good list, and I love going through a list and talking about the I want to see a list of your top 10 favourite lists. (laughs) Lists, yeah. (laughs) This list here, this is from the uh, (laughs) Enterprises Project. Um, Kevin Casey's written this up. Um, This is apparently uh, a Red Hat-supported site. Uh, which is good. They they do a lot of outreach like this. Um, this is five things CIOs should know about cloud service providers. Five things. Um, we're going to go through and have a look at the five things. So uh, number one, take a holistic view of cost. Uh, most IT leaders see the value, if not the sheer necessity of the cloud by now. Um, the cloud is the most cost-effective model. But as we know, right, you've got to use the right services for the right thing, right? It can get expensive if your app has not been designed for cloud. It's not cloud optimized. Yes, definitely. If you're like, right. I'm just going to, I've got a thousand virtual machines and I'm just going to have a thousand <laughs> compute <laughs> engine instances and <laughs> like for like, like that's going to mm, be expensive. Like, <laughs> No, that's right. And you don't want to be doing, you know, unnecessary queries that you don't need to do and silly things like that, right? And these all kind of be, Cloud optimized. Use, uh, you know, use serverless where you can. Um, things like that. Um, and it's interesting this, in this holistic view of costs here that he he points out. He says this is among other reasons why hybrid cloud environments are expanding. So he's saying, um, you know, on-prem is cheaper in some situations, and cloud is cheaper in other situations. And then this is the reason why. Hybrid is expanding. It doesn't need to be an all-or-nothing decision. Half notes, data egress charges, phantom instances that aren't doing anything, or over-provisioning more broadly as three of the top cost-related pain points. Yeah, I think like just having having the service is one thing. I think it's having the people to you know to make use of the service again. You know, if you pick up someone and they just okay, I'll run a compute engine instance. That's one thing. But like, no, actually, look. All you were running on that server was like a shell script, you know, once yeah, a day. Yeah. Like we don't need a whole box for that. Let's, you know, we can use scheduling and. So I want to answer all of these in this particular article, right? He, in this particular point, he says, half notes, data egress charges, right? So design your solution to minimize data egress charges, right? That's the first thing you should be doing, right? Phantom instances that aren't doing anything. Well, if you've got proper infrastructure as code and you've got uh, proper you know, access controls on all your projects, um, then you shouldn't have phantom instances lying around. Right? In fact, if you do have instances that are only doing stuff in business days, in business hours, have a schedule that switch, switches them off. Right? You've immediately halved your costs, right? Um, and over-provisioning, right? So the only 
the big, big sell with cloud, the big plus with cloud is the elasticity of it, right? The fact that you can effectively under-provision something, right? Almost down to zero. In fact, zero if you're using serverless and then just expand dynamically. Now, if you're not doing that in your, your, with your cloud project in cloud, then you're doing cloud wrong. You're doing cloud like you're treating it like on-prem, on-prem stuff, right? On-prem. You don't need to be doing that. Yeah. Right. For sure. You make use uh, um, of the features that are there. Yeah. If, if something is open provision, that's because, in my opinion, it's been built by someone that only understands physical on-prem world. And they're trying to apply that methodology into cloud. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show before, but I, I saw a project one time where so- someone had provisioned two persistent disks on the same VM oh, yeah. with the intention of mirroring those disks. <laughs> well, I have mirrored disks in my physical server, so. <laughs> right? So that's, no, yeah, that's you- not what you do, right? <laughs> yeah, like, and like, I think to your point there, right, is that being able to actually make use of the features, like I was working on a project uh, not that long ago where, um, you know, we wrote the application for the customer and it was all cloud functions, right? It was just, there was yeah. cloud functions and PubSub. And yep. the running Beautiful. cost for that thing, I think the most expensive part of it was secret manager calls. Like it was like $3 a month to run it. And the amount Beautiful. of business value that was coming out of this thing that had no, like unless it was being used, it didn't cost anything. Yep. 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 And it was doing all the work. Yep. So, you know, I, I don't know about what, what he's saying there. Hybrid, in my opinion, hybrid situa- hybrid situation is just a failed migration, really. It's just kind of a thing that's it should just going to be temporary. And if you're in hybrid for a long time, you basically, you've got a situation where you've got stuff you can't migrate. Get out of, get away from that. Start using IAP, right? Have it, set yourself up with, sort of a, with a zero trust model. Right, rather you rather than using MPLS and VPNs and all that kind of stuff, just it just drives me nuts. Right? <laughs> um, you know, but going on, he does make a couple of good points here. Identify where cloud delivers value, right? Absolutely, and where it doesn't is the key. Um, enables longer, wider view that uh, view that is cost aware rather than cost obsessed. Right. Let's move on to number two. Um, map business strategy to cloud service provider capability. So broadly what he's saying with this one here is pick the cloud service provider that will be able to deliver the solution the best. Right. So I think this kind of dovetails into like a whole, the the multi-cloud conversation, Mm, right? So, um, you know, Google's clearly the leader when it comes to AI, right? So if your solution's completely AI, then absolutely do, do Google, right? If, if you were a customer that came to Casna, of course we want you to use Google, right? Just use Google for everything, right? Of course, we always want that. Um, but, you know, to be fair, um, inside the company, they may have other things, that, other, you know, goals that, that uh, Azure or AWS may do better for them. Yeah, true. They might, uh, you know, uh, really want Azure Active Directory, for example. Or, you know, there's no reason why you can't, have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you know, pick the the best service provider that's going to best suit the solution that you need. And if you need to, you know, you can just establish, uh, you know, private connections between your clouds. You don't need to backhaul it on prem. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Just mega ported everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, number three, security is still your responsibility. So here we get into the um, shared responsibility model, right? Don't um, don't overlook security. Make sure you're you're building out your projects correctly with the correct amount of security. We talked about the greater than eight k bug in Cloud Armor last week. That's the kind of thing you need to be aware of. Um, listen to the show, and you'll get aware of that. Um, but but keep in mind that um, you know Google Cloud would employ more security engineers than most places employ. Complete all engineers. Yeah, and, and they've got the time. They've, like, their job is to do that as opposed to, oh, I've got my infrastructure team and, oh, hey, I think there was a CVE this week. Can you go check that out? Like, 
Exactly. Yeah, their security team is doing security and they've got hundreds of them and they've got to, whatever security they have to apply, they've got to apply to everywhere, every client everywhere. So sometimes you'll hear the argument that cloud is not secure. Well, I think we're kind of over that, right? And we know that uh, Google has to make things secure for everybody that's using their services. So um, that's a big responsibility. So they've got to keep it up. Yeah. In fact, I heard a uh, an anecdote actually just the other day, and they were talking about it. You know, we're doing a lot of GCVE stuff recently, but they were talking about the management of like that VMware environment, and um, the there was a, a high rated CVE, and all GCVE nodes worldwide were patched prior to the like the patches being available publicly on like the VMware site for you know, in, you know traditional engineers to be able to go ahead and do it like it was already done yeah before you've even received the email in your inbox to say hey we've got this you know patch available yeah. all the google gcv and are done all done they were done for <laughs> you didn't done. have to worry about it didn't have to touch it <laughs> it's all done and you know that's all automated as well behind yeah. the scenes that would be yeah yeah, absolutely. They've done all the work up front. Um, look, and in the same vein as security, number four on the list is risk management, right? So when it comes to data privacy, GDPR, and you know compliance, um, Google, you've, you've got a shared responsibility model there as well, right? So Google will do their bit as long as you're doing your bit, and you should be should be, your your risk compliance will be uh, you know correctly looked after. Um, and the final on the, on this list, and we we talk about this. I think you know, we 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 mentioned this in the earlier show. Internal talent still matters, right? You need the people with the skills to do the job. Um, they the skills might transition, right? They might look a little bit different, but at the end of the day, you know, I was a system administrator for a long time. What are you doing as a system administrator? You're looking after passwords, you're looking after certificates, um, you know, you're managing IP addresses. Guess what? In cloud, you've got to do that stuff as well, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. you got to do that stuff as well. So, I mean, there might be Google managed certificates on a, a load balancer, mm-hmm. for instance, but you've still got to know how they're deployed, um, how they're provisioned. If you're doing it as infrastructure as code, there's a and you want to make changes to it. Yeah, I, I literally, I was doing this this morning. That's why I'm bringing it up as a point. You've still got to manage those certificates on the front end if you want to make changes to them, add them, remove them, delete them. There's still got a bit of work got to be done there. Um, the, the It might be in cloud, but someone's still got to do some work around it, right? Mm, yeah, but like certainly there, there's so many managed services we, you know, we can start to push a lot of that responsibility. I mean, we, you know, we just mentioned the GCVE patching, right? There's a lot of opportunities mm. like that where you can start to push things. Like as a, you know, if we were a traditional sysadmin, you can start pushing those towards Google side of things. You can take some toil off your plate and yep. you can start to, you know, do new and interesting things and, you know, really start like delivering new value into the business. As opposed to just like, oh, I have to go and deal with this thing. This, like, I haven't got time to help you with this value creation activity because I'm patching yep. this weekend. Yeah, yeah. And not only that, I think the amount of things, you know, that was kind of half, always half-baked. There was a lot of half-baked projects and half, you know, half done, not done properly kind of things. There's just tons of that stuff around. And if, um, you know, if... You know you can pick something like that up and move it into the cloud. You know it's going to get done properly, mm. right? In 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 a in a cloud environment, um, so you don't have to worry about that, right? Like uh, I don't know, load balancing, for instance, right? Like who who tests their load balance groups, right? I mean, you might test it once when you first spin it up, but then what are you going to do after that, right? Well, if you set up a load balancer in Google Cloud, you know it's going to work, right? Yeah, and you know, while you're at it, you can start making use of the monitoring solutions that are already there. You mm. don't have to deploy something else. You can consume these services that are that are all there for you and all yep. like ready to integrate with each other. Yeah, right. yep, yep. Um, yeah, draw another comparison there. What about 
I don't know if you've ever, ever tried to configure Zabbix. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, boy. And dealing with updating Zabbix, too. <laughs> yeah. What a never-ending pit of configuration. But looking at, you know, cloud operations, just send it all to there. Oh, boy. What a life changer. No, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, I, I had a... I, Certainly did a project where you know we were using Zabbix and and also like migrating from like Splunk to oh, Sumo Logic and like if you mm. just consume what what was just sitting in the environment, you're way better. Yeah, yeah, it's you know you have, that's a whole person more than a person just spending their whole day doing that. Easy. Anyway, there's our five things that CIOs should know about cloud service providers. Anyway, we might call it quits there today, Dave. What do you think? Uh, I think so. I think we're 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 inching closer to the long weekend, uh, and I'm I'm excited. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy! After this week, I really need a break. I'm really looking forward to it. Crack out the camping gear and have a good time in front of a campfire. Give that five G a thrashing. I will. I will. <laughs> anyway, go to iTunes, guys. Write us a review, and don't forget to check out Kazna Between Two Clouds. That's our YouTube channel. Uh, you can contact the show, gcplife at kasna.com.au. And we have a Twitter account at gcplife. Um, and, of course, you can check out our website. We had a little bit of a snafu with the uh, GCP Live <laughs> feed over during the week, and we lost the last two episodes. But I put them back, so we're, we're back to square one, which is great. Uh, and, of course, today's sponsor was Kasna. Kasna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. That's all from me. Anything from you, Dave? No, I just hope that everyone has a great and safe uh, long weekend. Yes, happy long weekend. Happy Easter, guys, if that's uh, the kind of thing you, you do. And we'll catch you in two weeks. All right, see you then. Hey, by the way, I noticed um, uh, in my uh, my podcast app that the last episode has now been renamed as the Dulcet Tones. <sighs> yeah, it's all right. It was a better name, <laughs> I admit it. <laughs> Still, I had to make the call. My show, my name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>